y'all, because y'all get to hear from me enough, and some of our folks don't get to hear enough about what God's doing in individual lives. But Dylan Young, uh, y'all know him. He's one of our, uh, he's our youngest deacon. Um, Dylan has been a part of our church for a few years now, and I'm thankful. I, I love to see the way that God works in his life and the joy that he has in serving the Lord. Um, so Dylan, I have, have a pad and a paper in my Bible, so I'm ready to take notes. So please, by all means. Sounds good, man. All right. So you guys make sure and record this for him tonight, okay? Thank you all for coming out. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you all very much for being here. Uh, it means a lot that you came out uh, to support me and support our church. Um, when uh, Craig first approached me and asked me to preach, I, I started thinking and praying that God would kind of show me um, what he wanted me to talk about. And a couple of things uh, sort of came my way. And basically, the reason I'm going to talk about what I'm going to talk about tonight is because it's accountability for me. So I'm preaching to me uh, just as much as I'm preaching to you guys. This is something that I struggle with on a daily basis. I don't mind telling you that. And so I felt like me making this sermon sort of helped me mature in this area and grow up a little bit. So if you got your Bible, if you'll turn to 1 Thessalonians, we're going to be at the end of the book, chapter 5. And we're actually just going to read um, almost the last few words of the letter. It'll be verses 12 It'll be 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 22. Now, we're just going to really focus on verses 16, 17, and 18, but I figure for the heck of context and the sake of that, we'll, uh, we'll make sure we read this, this little paragraph. So I'd ask you once you found it, if you'll stand up um, in the honor of God's word, and we'll read this together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 12. He says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters... To give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. And then three verses that we're going to talk about tonight. Rejoice always, pray constantly, Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read a couple more. Don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these words from Paul here, Lord. May we take them and apply them to our life. It's in your name I pray, amen. So in his final, extra, ex, blah, 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 in his final instructions here, Paul includes God's will for those who belong to Christ. He says, be thankful and everything give thanks. Or in your translation, it, it may say, be thankful in all circumstances. Um, like I said, I wanted to speak to you all about this because this is something that I struggle with. Uh, I would love to tell you that I always have a thankful attitude and a grateful attitude, but that's just simply not true. I'll give you a quick example. Um, a couple weeks ago, some of you guys know we got a puppy. And on the day that I went to get this puppy, I was driving my work van and I pull up in this lady's driveway and I go get the cute little puppy and he's so cute and I give the lady the money and we're walking back to the car and I sit this little jerker down beside me. I get in the van, I crank it up, I put it in reverse and nothing happens. It is as if I left it in park. I rev the motor and nothing's going anywhere and I'm going, okay, if my truck's gonna break down, at least let me get out this lady's driveway first. And so I put it back in park, cut it off, cut it back on. I finally get it backed out of her driveway uh, but sure enough, down the road, it, my transmission tears up on me and I have to pull over. I've owned this dog for 25 seconds. I have just picked up a new regular expense and this darn thing happens to me. 
I would love to tell you that in that moment, I pulled over and said, well, you know what? Paul said, rejoice always, be in constant prayer and give thanks in all circumstances. So I'm just gonna keep a smile on my face and everything's gonna be okay. That is not the attitude that I had. As a matter of fact, it was the complete opposite. I was sitting there thinking to God, you know, God, this was kind of really bad timing for this to happen. I, why did this have to happen right now? This just seemed like a bad moment for that to happen. And so I, I struggle with this probably on a daily basis. The reality is that we as people, but especially we as Americans, sometimes are not satisfied with what we have is because we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. We do it all the time. I heard a guy say a quote the other day. He said, social media is teaching us to compare our lives with one another. No wonder everyone's depressed, right? But you know what's funny is we would be especially grateful if we compared ourselves to the correct others. You know, if I compared myself to the right people, I would be especially grateful for what I had. When I was in college, I had the wonderful opportunity of going on a mission trip to Nicaragua. And when I went down there, as we were driving down the road, I passed these things on the side of the road that were made of mud and dirt and sticks and a sheet of tin that people called houses that little kids lived in. I don't find myself comparing myself to them very much because if I did, I'd be a lot more grateful. And those little kids would run around. We played soccer with them out there and they were just as happy-go-lucky as they could be. Covered in dirt, didn't have shoes. They didn't care. They weren't worried about it. But I don't find myself doing that. We wanna compare ourselves to the people doing better. We wanna compare ourselves to the people getting the promotion to get the job and all that stuff. And we make it this life contest like that's actually gonna give us fulfillment. We'll talk about that in a minute. A guy hit me with this quote the other day and it shook me to my core. I hope it shakes you to your core. You ready? He said, Dylan, do you realize there are people groups in this world who walk for miles every single day so they can get enough clean water to drink and food to eat? He said, do you realize we live in a society where people run for miles every day because they eat and drink too much? to run it off of them. That hurt me, man. That hurt me. Another wise man once told me, he said, son, what you need to understand is the things that you are taking for granted, somebody else is praying for. Those things you're taking as a given, somebody is on their knees begging God for it right now. You having problems at your job? Somebody at your job getting on your nerves? There's people every day on their knees begging for God to send them a job, begging for God to send them an opportunity to work anywhere, to do anything to provide for their family. Your kids get on your nerves, having trouble with your kids, be thankful you got kids. There's people on their knees begging for God to send them a kid every single day. One of my friends over the weekend lost two children in a car accident, two teenage boys dead. Be thankful for what we have, folks. Another wise man once told me, you're giving me say that a lot tonight, talking about the wise. Can I just say, I'm really thankful for the wise men that I've had in my life. I'm really thankful for the wise people that have spoken into my life and, and raised me up and teach me. I don't really feel like I'd be where I am if it wasn't for that. Another wise man once told me, the man with no shoes always complained that he didn't have shoes until he met the man with no feet. 
Perspective. Perspective is everything. When you look at things differently, it changes your perspective. Romans 12, 2 is a very popular Bible verse. It says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. When that happens, when someone becomes a Christian, when we make that conversion over to Christianity and that renewing of our mind happens, it, it's literally like God is taking off these lenses that we were looking at, we were looking at the world with, he has removed those and now we can see clearly. We look at things differently. That's what the renewing of your mind is all about. You change the way that you look at things. You don't look at people the same. You don't look at material things as the same. It looks different. We're looking at it through the lens of Christ and not through the lens of our own eyes anymore. The fact is that ungratefulness, covetousness, and greed, those things, they're all really tied in together. Paul said, rejoice always, be in constant prayer, give thanks in all circumstances. Can I just tell you that if you do the first two things right, it's a lot easier to do the third one. If I rejoice always and I'm being constant prayer, it's a lot easier to be thankful. It's a lot easier to be thankful. But you know what? If I'm just focused on me and what I have and what God can give me and what God can do for me, <laughs> I'm not rejoicing, I'm doing the opposite. I'm looking at what I don't have and how I want more. And I dang sure ain't praying like I should be because all I'm concerned about is me. And when I am praying, my prayers are selfish. I had another wise man once challenged me with this. He said, Dylan, when you pray, do you pray for yourself or others more? Are you asking God to bless you? Are you asking God to fix things in your life? Are you praying for your brothers and sisters? Are you praying for your family? Do you pray for your church leaders? Do you pray for your deacons? Who are you praying for the most? What does that say about the way you view God? And what does that say about how selfish we are as people? That really challenged me. I'm thankful for those hard truths though. To be a Christian, this is another one of those quotes that I love. To be a Christian is the opposite of being selfish. To be a Christian is the opposite of being selfish. We're actually to be selfless. Luke 9, 23 says, it's where Jesus commanded him. He said, take up your cross daily and follow me. For a long time, I looked at that verse and was like, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? Take up your cross daily. That cross, taking up your cross, they saw that as a symbol of death. He said, die to yourself daily. You die to your desires daily. Die to your lust, to your greed, to your sin, to the things that you want. Die to that on a daily basis. Put that aside and follow me. But you gotta do it every single day. You gotta do it every single day. Not once a week, not on Sundays, not just Monday through Friday when it's your job. You gotta do it every single day day die to your own desires and follow what jesus jesus wants you know the last part of that verse means something a little more differently to me now we had the opportunity to take the youth to winter jam a couple weeks ago and it was a lot of fun we had a good time we went but the speaker said something that was really good he said some of the he said the problem with some of you guys is you're following people on twitter closer than you're following jesus Ooh we I'm gonna tell you, those hard truths sting and they step on your toes, but I'm thankful for those hard truths. I'm thankful for those challenges. I'm thankful when people challenge me because it makes us better. It makes us grow closer to Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I think about or 
especially before I did this, uh, when I think about coveting and being ungrateful and not always being thankful, I sort of categorize that as a lesser sin. Is that, that is like not quite as bad as murder or lying or stealing. Um, as a matter of fact, can I just, I'm just gonna ask a question. Am I the only one that when you were like a kid and somebody told you, you shouldn't covet, that's a sin. They thought it was stupid. Would anybody be honest enough to raise their hand and said that? I'll say it. I thought that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I said, you're telling me I can't look at somebody's thing over here and just say, that's nice and I'd like to have that. And I'm in sin. If that's true, I'm sinning 24-7. Thank God grace covers it all because I sure wouldn't be able to repent of all of it, right? But I thought that was so, I didn't, I didn't understand it. But then a couple months ago, I had the opportunity to lead an equipping study for our youth. And Matt Chandler is a, a pastor of a big church and he, he led this video series. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, we tend to look at sins like coveting and ungratefulness, not as that big of a deal. He said, even lying. Some people say, well, lying, if you just tell a little white lie, it's not that big of a deal. He said, but what we don't understand is it matters who you sin against. He said, let me give you an example. As a matter of fact, let me do it like this. If me and Brian go to dinner tonight, okay, after I leave here, and let's just say Brian and I have never met before. And we sit down at La Fiesta and I'm just gonna lie to him all night long. I'm gonna give him a fake name, a fake address, a fake family history, a fake job. I'm gonna lie to him all night long. Brian, when I leave that restaurant, I'm probably gonna sleep pretty soundly, man. There's not gonna be a whole lot of, I'm not saying we should lie, but there's not gonna be a ton of consequences for that, for a stranger that I've never really met before. But if then I go home and I lie to my spouse, Oh yeah, there's gonna be some consequences for that. Is there not compared to lying to a stranger? Let's take it a step further. If I break the law and, I have, and I'm interrogated by a police officer and I lie to a police officer about a crime, well, dude, now I'm looking at serving time in jail or serving time in prison. Let's take it all the way up to if I was an enemy of our country and I lied to the president of the United States about something, I could be held guilty of treason, which is punishable by life in prison or even punishable by death. But it was all lying, all of it, from lying to Brian at the restaurant to lying to the president. That little white lie doesn't look so bad when we're lying to our buddy. That little white lie looks a lot worse depending on the punishment depending on the consequence. If I'm gonna be charged with treason for, pres for lying to the president, how much worse is my punishment gonna be for lying to the creator of the universe who is holy and perfect? And so he took that, so let's take that example with lying. He took that and he spun it around and he said, now let's go back to coveting and look at coveting again. What we're really saying when we covet somebody else's stuff and we were coveting before God, what we're saying is, God, in order for me to be happy, I need more. See, I'm not really happy with that stuff you gave me. I'm not really happy with what I have. I'm not content with your son that you sent to die for me. I need more to be content. God, you didn't give me enough. And we almost develop, <laughs> we almost develop this attitude of God owes me something. Let me tell you something. God does owe you something and you don't want it. I know what God owes me and I don't want a bit of it. And the fact that I ain't burning in hell right now is an act of his mercy and grace. It takes a different spin when we realize it matters who we sin against. 
You see, the reason that we want anything, the reason we desire anything, and, and, and listen, I've been talking a lot about material stuff tonight because that's kind of what I struggle with. But this applies to like people in your life too, right? This, uh, people can be an idol in our life uh, just as much as anybody else. But the reason we want anything or any relationship is because of the way we think that thing will make us feel. That's why we want it. We think it will make us feel better, right? Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes those things are sinful, but we believe the lie that, hey, if you can get this, it'll just be worth it. It'll make you feel better. You'll finally be happy, right? A good illustration of this is weight training, right? Y'all thought Craig was the only one that made gym jokes. Nope, I'm gonna do it too. A good illustration of this is weight training. I remember when I first started lifting weights and I came over from the middle school, I just wanted to be able to bench press 135. My brother Fred Folston walking in the back. What's up, man? Um, I just wanted to be able to bench press 135 because now, if you don't know what that is, that's the bar with a 45-pound plate on each side. And I just thought it looked so cool to be able to do that. And I was like, man, if I could just do that one time, I'd be happy. As soon as I could bench press 135, what do you think I wanted? 185 was looking good. Boy, 185 with a 45 slapped on and a 25 slapped on too. Man, it looks good. And you know what? That's, I, I talked myself into it. That's around my body weight too. That's an achievable goal that makes a lot of sense. If I could just do that, I would be content. As soon as I could do 185, boy, 225 is calling my name. Big old 45 pound doubled up on each side. And as soon as I could do 225, I wanted more and more. And I still do it to myself this day. Tammy, before Matthew walked out the door this morning, I asked him, was he going to be at the gym tomorrow because I want to bench heavy? I still do it to myself to this day. I did it today. The point is, we chase and we chase and we think, if I can just do that, I'll be happy. And then we get it. And it feels good for a minute. And then the feeling's gone and we get something else. And it's gone and we get something else. And it's gone. We see this in people's lives all the time. They chase the jobs. They chase the promotions. They chase the cars. They chase the money. And for what? It's an endless, it's a, it's a rat race, man. It's endless. You're never gonna get what you want. I'll never forget one of the most powerful testimonies I ever heard was when I was in college, I had the opportunity to go to Cleveland. And I went up there and I hung out with this pastor who had such an incredible testimony. He said, Dylan, I had everything the world told me was supposed to make me happy. He said he was involved, he was involved in drugs. He, he was involved in dealing drugs and it made him a lot of money. And he said, I had the money, I had the cars, I had the houses. He said, I had the relationship with this great person, this wife that was supposed to be wonderful. He said, I had it all. Everything that the world said, this will make you happy. I had it all. And I find myself saying, is this it? Is, is this all there is? He said he even contemplated taking his own life at one point. And what happened is over a course of time, I, I'm not really sure what happened to his friend, but his friend got killed in a car accident or something like that. And he found himself wondering about life after death. And he said, God, if you're real, I want you to reveal yourself to me. Show yourself to me. And he said, they started making, he goes, pinhole size mistakes at these drug houses and one by one they got shut down got shut down got shut down it all imploded in on him and he wound up getting arrested and going to prison and some of you are going wait a minute Dylan I thought you said God showed up in his life he did sometimes God's got to mess us up to show up okay that's just the way it is he wound up in prison not a lot of hobbies in prison 
he decides he's going to take up reading. And he's looking through books, and he's trying to find these different novels. He couldn't find anything he, he wanted to read, but he found a Bible in there. And he picked up a Bible, and he decided to read it. And while he was in prison, he read the Bible eight times. Eight times. I will stand before you and tell you that I, Genesis to Revelation, haven't read it eight times in my life. Genesis to Revelation. Much less over an extended period of time like that. And he, through reading God's word, realized that he needed a savior and he needed to be saved and he repented of his sins right there in prison. He got out of prison and now he's a pastor. This is what he does. He went from drug dealer to pastor. And let me tell you, he don't drive a super nice car, he don't live in a nice neighborhood and he don't make a lot of money, but he's the most happy-go-lucky dude in the world I've ever been around. He's the most content, satisfied dude. You matter of fact, you know what we did that week? He loaded me and a bunch of other college kids up in a van, a minivan, that didn't have air conditioning and rode us around in the 95 degree heat. And he had this thing going with the Chick-fil-A's and Subway's where he went and got the food at the end of the day that they couldn't save overnight and weren't gonna be able to reuse the next day. He picked up that food and he had a little route. He went on to poor people and he went and delivered food to them. And if they were willing, he told them about Jesus and he would invite them to his church. That's what we did all week long. And it was a blast. I was walking on cloud nine. I was as happy as I could be, sweating nasty. By the world standards, it wasn't glorious at all. But I was fulfilled as I could be. It was awesome. The reason we chase anything, the reason we want anything is because of the way we think that thing will make us feel. But you know what that implies? That implies we need something to make us feel good, which implies something's missing. Why am I chasing something in the first place? Because something's missing. So we talked about being grateful. We talked about why covenanting is wrong, but now let's talk about why we have the problem in the first place. The reason we have the wants and desires and we chase the things of the world because we, we think they're gonna make us happy is because sin has left a void in our heart. When sin came into the world, it messed things up, man. It didn't just make men have to work and give women labor pains and all that stuff. It messed us up from the inside out. It left a hole in our heart can I tell you that Jesus Christ filling that void is the only thing on planet earth that will bring you true contentment? Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is that simple. That is where fulfillment starts. That is where contentment starts. Another wise man said this to me. This is good. <laughs> When it comes to, the person that told me this is very successful, we'll say, but he's not super caught up in material things. And when I asked him why, he said, son, since I met Jesus, nothing else impresses me. I don't need nothing else. There ain't nothing that's gonna live up to Jesus' standard. None of this other stuff is good enough. Are you kidding me? Jesus is it. That's it, man. There is nothing else. All this other stuff, it's just temporary, right? I'm no longer attached to earthly things. Don't waste your time. Listen, it's not inherently sinful to have things, okay? But don't waste your time and your worry and your effort trying to rack up things here, man, where you might get it for 80 years if you're lucky. I don't want that. Don't, what, is it Matthew 
Matthew 6, 19, don't store up treasure here where moth and rust destroys and thieves break in and steal. It's temporary. I want the permanent treasure. Go after the treasure that's gonna last forever. Go after the treasure that's gonna give you the crown in heaven that you can lay at the Savior's feet. That's the treasure that I wanna go after. Don't worry about the material things here. It's gonna mean nothing one day. This life is just a breath compared to eternity. I want the things that are gonna last forever. I wanna go for the long term. I wanna go for the treasure that we can lay at our Savior's feet that's gonna last for billions and billions and billions of years. Not this watch that I'm not gonna wear three months from now, right? Okay, every time that I start feeling ungrateful, I think about others less fortunate. But you know what else I think about? I think about what I deserve, man. I think about what I really deserve as a person. I think about the sin that I've had and I think about what God's rescued me from. Perspective, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your perspective, man. Change the way you look at things. The next time you start to catch an attitude with God about what you have and what you don't have, remember what you deserve. And be thankful you don't have to endure that because of Jesus. So, if we want that contentment, it starts with Jesus. You gotta have Jesus in your heart. But if you really wanna experience some fulfillment and you really wanna experience some awesome contentment and satisfaction with life, I would encourage you to share the gospel with other people. Because you see, again, (laughs) to be a Christian is the opposite of being selfish. The most selfish thing in the world I can do, if I know a way, if there really is a hell where people are gonna go to and be tormented forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and I know the way to heaven, and I got the way to heaven, how selfish am I that I wouldn't be willing to give it to somebody else? That's not Christ-like at all. Doing to others as you would have to do unto them, as you, excuse me, as you do unto others as you would have them do unto you. When Jesus asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about y'all, but if I was lost and dying and going to hell, I would want someone to tell me about Jesus. Can I tell you (laughs) the experience and the feeling you get when you share the gospel with somebody? It's actually something I can't even explain to you. I don't even know how to tell you what it feels like. There is no other contentment and there is no other fulfillment like that. The first time I ever had the opportunity to do this was in Kentucky. Buster, it might have even been Lynch, Kentucky. We were in a real poor part of Kentucky. I don't know where it was, but I was with Freedom Outreach Baptist Church and my buddy Brian Cobb was the pastor. And we were on a mission trip and we were doing a lot of physical mission, okay? We were putting roof on people's houses, painting stuff, the building houses, that kind of stuff. But that night, we were kind of close to an apartment complex and he said, hey man, tonight we're gonna go down to this apartment. We're gonna knock on doors. We're gonna tell these people about Jesus. And I remember riding in his truck <laughs> and, and, and saying, man, I've never had the opportunity to pray with someone to accept Jesus. It'd be really cool if that happened tonight. Can I tell you that 20 minutes later, I was sitting on the porch with an old woman named Carol who was crying and blowing snot bubbles into her hand because of how emotionally overcome she was by hearing the gospel because see she had grown up in church she'd even been baptized but she didn't really think she was going to go to heaven because she knew she'd lived a sinful life 
And I said, man, that does not matter. There is assurance in salvation. There is a way you can know if you're going to heaven. And when the hope of Jesus was given to her, it rocked her world. Can I tell you that in that moment, I was walking on cloud nine. I will never forget what that felt like. As a matter of fact, my buddy Brian, he goes, do you wanna pray with her? I was like, yeah, like I was gonna give you the opportunity to. I'm gonna sit down with her right now. We, we, we gonna pray right now. We accept in Jesus. And that's what we did with that lady right there. Let me address one more thing or a couple more things and I'm gonna be done. I've heard some people say this recently and it drives me up the wall, so I'm gonna address it real quick. Uh, I've heard some people say, you know, you can share the gospel. How, do I, how does it go? You can share the gospel simply by the way you live too without ever opening your mouth. That is a lie. Okay, we should live moral lives, yes. We should have integrity, yes. People should look at us and see Jesus, yes. But let me tell you something. By me living Jesus in front of people and doing all these right things and they seeing me do this, they still don't know the way to heaven. Someone can watch me be good all day long and still die and go to hell. You have not truly shared the gospel with somebody until you have opened your mouth and told them. Listen, Romans 10, 9 is the easiest way to share the gospel with somebody. About the only thing you gotta add to it is you're a sinner. Sin separates you from God. But if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is that stinking simple. It is simple, man. But we talk ourselves out of it. Listen, it bothers me the number of Christians that have never told a single person about Jesus. It, that, and I used to be in that, okay? I used to be in that very same boat. All right, I had never told anybody about Jesus and I was scared to death to do so because you're scared of what people are gonna say or you're scared to death of what people are gonna think. It's okay. Take courage. Take, do you know what courage means? I asked our youth the other day, what does courage mean? Don't be scared. Mm-mm. Courage means doing it even though you are scared. Doing it even though you are afraid. Let me tell you a story. Does anybody know what scarewinds is? When I was 15, my buddy Cody drugged me to this horrible place <laughs> called Scarewinds, where they ghoul it all up, make it Halloweenish, and it's pitch black dark, and people jump out of the bushes and scare you. And on top of that, I had never been on a roller coaster in my life that went upside down. So we were just doing all kinds of fears all at one time. And so I go to Scarewinds, and after getting the bejesus scared out of me several times he goes dude we got to ride this roller coaster we got to ride this one we're gonna ride this one I was like dude I ain't getting on that I'm scared he said come on man you got to do it I said nah man I ain't doing that he said come on you got to do it by the end of that night I had gotten over my fear of getting on roller coasters I had overcome that fear does anybody want to take a guess at what got me over that fear I got on the stinking roller coaster screaming like a girl, scared to absolute death, with my eyes closed just like this and my hand over my eyes, holding my buddy Cody's hand. I'm just kidding, I didn't do that. But <laughs> scared out of my mind. But you know what happened? As soon as the vortex click, click to a stop, you know what I did? I went, that was awesome. <laughs> Let's do that again. I know that sounds silly. Can I tell you, sharing the gospel is the same way. Amen. You are scared to death the first time you do it because you're scared. I remember telling my buddy Joe about Jesus when he was 
when we were teenagers, and I was scared to death of what he was going to think of me. And I asked him, had he ever had a moment where he placed his faith in Jesus? And I was scared of the response of, why don't you think I haven't done that? What, are you judging me? What's that? You know what he said? He looked me right back in the eye and said, no. One word answer. And that night he prayed to accept Christ. I would encourage you to do that. Just open your mouth. That's all that God asks of you. Your success rate at sharing the gospel is not based on how many people get saved, okay? If it was based on how many people get saved, I am a tremendous failure because 99.6% of them don't get saved, okay? It ain't about that. I love the way Greg Kokel put it one time. He said, sharing the gospel is your task, but it's God's problem. You open your mouth and you tell them how to get saved. Then it's between them and God. Now, don't be a coward, do it right. Don't flimsy it up. Tell them the whole truth. Give them everything they need to know. And then it is between them and God. Can I tell you that when someone told me that, it took all, it felt like someone had lifted a colossal stone off of my back. A love, serve, give, an hour ago, I sat there and pleaded with a man to accept Jesus who was ready. He looked at me with tears running down his eyes because he knew he needed to accept Jesus. He said that to me and I'm begging him, come on, Wayne, let's do it right now. I will lead you in the prayer. Let's do it. Come on, man. I can't make him do it. And he wouldn't do it. He knows all the information and I walked out of that place and he's still lost as far as I know. But you know what? <laughs> that ain't on me. <laughs> That's between him and God. He's got the information, okay? Just open your mouth. That's all you're required to do. All right, basic recap. Be grateful for what you have. We live in America. We're filthy, stinking rich. Don't forget that. We are filthy, stinking wealthy. Things aren't gonna give you contentment. Only Jesus is. If you wanna experience real contentment, Take that and share it with somebody else. That's all I got. Let me pray for us and we'll be done. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this message uh, that challenged me. Um, I hope it challenged others the way it challenged me. I pray, God, that we would keep in perspective that what we have, we are so, so blessed beyond anything we could ever really deserve. And God, may we not be selfish in our faith. May we be selfless Christians and only care about other people. May we not be afraid, may we not be selfish, may we not be afraid to proclaim the gospel to other people. And it's in your name I pray, amen. Thank y'all for coming out, y'all have a good night.